Hi, and welcome to another edition of the Paradox Podcast. Thanks for listening once again. This is the latest in a series of preview interviews I'm doing with the invited speakers to our upcoming Free Speech in Medicine conference, which is coming up very soon in Bedeck, Nova Scotia. There still are spots available. Check it out at freespeechandmedicine.com, and we hope you consider coming. Many of you listening to this will already know the name Francis Christian. In 2021, Francis was a very successful surgeon practicing and teaching in Saskatchewan. He was ousted from his job for daring to suggest that children should not be coerced into vaccination. If I had to summarize Dr. Christian in one word, that word would be wise. He is a man of science, but understands that science is not the answer to all of life's travails. He's a deeply moral and ethical human being. Both his wisdom and his goodness are obvious when you listen to him. If you've already followed his story, you know he's been dragged through the mud. It was suggested that he is crazy and needs mental help. He was unjustly fired from several positions. Yet he remains warm, optimistic, and he retains a great faith in the ability of humans to make the right moral decisions. I felt better after I talked to him, and I think you will too after hearing him. Today I'm very happy to be joined by Francis Christian. Francis is a pediatric surgeon. He is very versed in the medical humanities and in the humanities at general, in general. He's a very well-read man. Um, you can talk to him a long time about philosophy and political science and history and probably not hit the bottom of that well. We're very happy he's going to be coming out to our Free Speech and Medicine conference in two weeks' time, two weeks from tonight, in beautiful Bedeck, Nova Scotia. All of the, de the details are online at freespeechandmedicine.com. So I hope you have a look. I hope you uh, continue to listen uh, today to hear what Francis has to say. And uh, thanks, Francis, for joining me. Uh, thanks, Chris. It's, uh, it's a great privilege and pleasure to join this podcast and and to be in Bedeck in, uh, I guess, just over a couple of weeks. Yes, uh, uh, two weeks from tonight, yeah. we'll be together. Yes. And I'm looking forward to it. It's very exciting. I think um, it's a timely conference, and I congratulate you and Julie for, for putting this together. And uh, I, I think uh, there's a groundswell of support uh, among those who value the kind of values that we grew up with and which um, most of us take for granted. Uh, but then we realized during the COVID era that we should take nothing for granted. Freedom, liberty, free speech, a free media, a free press, all that um, not only came under threat, but were essentially demolished uh, by a certain tyranny, which, um, would, which would very easily fit into the historical definitions of tyrannies, even as recently as the 20th century. So thank you for putting this conference together. Um, free speech and uh, freedom, uh, liberty, um, free press. These are fundamental values, values for which people have died uh, over the centuries. And it's, it's, it's a very timely conference and congratulations on putting that together. I, I am I, I'm a general and trauma surgeon. For 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 your non-medical viewers and those who are coming to the conference who may not have a medical background, uh, what I did was trauma surgery, gunshot wounds, you know, knife wounds, um, road traffic accidents, 
and then I did um, cancer surgery. I had an interest in thyroid surgery, and I was the busiest thyroid surgeon in the province. I was also the professor of surgery in the University of Saskatchewan here. And in addition to that, I had two other uh, designations. I was director of uh, quality and patient safety. And in that role, I uh, was responsible for introducing and then bringing a system, an audit system of surgical performance to our Department of Surgery here. It's called the National Surgical Quality Improvement Program or NISQIP. One of the other things we did is I collaborated with the computer department here to develop an app, which is called the M&M app, the Morbidity and Mortality app, which is essentially available for both iPhone and Android. It can be downloaded. Uh, and ironically, it's being used throughout the province uh, as we speak. Uh, I also was a director of a department that I co-founded. It's, co it's called the Surgical Humanities Department. Uh, the aim of that department was to engage physicians, nurses, medical students, residents with the human story, with the human narrative, to engage them with literature, poetry, uh, drama. And when, when I say engage, it, it doesn't mean just reading uh, something, but we we encourage them to write an essay or write a poem, music, uh, drama, uh, history, and so on. So we also started a journal which now has a worldwide circulation. It's called the Journal of the Surgical Humanities. And I was the founding editor and editor-in-chief of that journal. Uh, last year, um, in June, I give a press conference in which I called for what should really be quite uh, non-controversial. And I called essentially for informed consent in the rollout of the COVID vaccine to our kids. I had tried in the months before that to influence my colleagues and my uh, residents, the medical students I taught and so on, but I found that as soon as you started talking about the evidence, whether it was lockdowns or masks or early treatment and so on, there would be a sort of a glaze that would go across their eyes and they would switch off. I must say with residents and medical students, I had more success and they were more open to, to the data. Mm -hmm. um, following that press conference, well, I should also say that I, the reason I had the press conference is because when they rolled out the vaccine to our kids, there were already reports of myocarditis caused by the vaccine and other problems caused by the vaccine and so on. And I uh, realized that if I did not speak out at the time, I could not live with my conscience. I spoke out uh, because kids don't have a voice, and, and I realized we had to be their voice. Now, following that press conference, in which I very clearly stated I was not uh, speaking for the authorities, the College of Medicine, uh, the Saskatchewan Health Authority, and so on, I said, I speak to you as a surgeon, as a father, and, and recently a grandfather. And I, I called for informed consent, and I pointed out that informed consent was not being offered. 
not being obtained mm-hmm. uh, to, uh, by parents and children. Following that, I was called into a meeting and fired from my contract, fired from my uh, director of uh, quality and patient safety, although this was a patient safety issue. And I was fired from my directorship of the surgical humanities department. So this is quite, this is quite a story, Francis. And I'll tell you, I I first heard of you almost exactly the same time I got hired, or sorry, fired as head of Emerge for saying some of the exact same things that as you did, that there's concerning side effects that we're just starting to see. We don't know the long term data yet. We shouldn't forcing people is wrong. I, I was fired for the same thing. And, uh, you know, I hope you don't take this wrong way, but it was somewhat heartening to hear you. I listened to you speak on by the wonders of the internet. You were so much more well-spoken than I was and uh, you still got fired. So I thought, well, I don't feel so bad now because if they fired this man, he's <laughs> he's incredibly reasonable and obviously brilliant. And so it makes sense that they fired me because I'm, I'm a far step behind and much more clunky in the way that I express things. So I really appreciated you uh, you being willing to do that. Um, I, I want to make one comment and then I'm going to ask you a question. I, I, it, it's my contention after you know two years, two and a half years of looking back on this, I think people like us may have lost the battle. We may have lost the war when we conceded the battlefield to the enemy. And by that, what I mean is, you know, there's this rising scientism in society, this idea that we can make all decisions in our, in our society by putting, appointing the person with the most scientific knowledge to the head and giving him or her all the power to rule the rest of us. And that is the way we can be led to the utopia. And COVID, I find, is a perfect example of that because, you know, the, the question of whether we should lock people down is not really a scientific question. You could, you could argue that you're going to save lives that way, but that, it's not just about the numbers on a spreadsheet. It's about people's quality of life. Like, if, if we know that it's a risk to go visit our dying grandmother in the hospital, but it's the choice between taking a risk and her dying alone, should we not be allowed to do that if that's our choice? And, you know, so this, it's really, we're trying to answer spiritual questions with scientific data. And that's, I think that's where we've fallen down. So to, to come around to a question, what is it about you that may, made you able to see these things? And, and number two, made you willing to speak out? Because there's a lot of people I know who are behind the scenes, supportive of people like you and me, but are not willing to speak out. So what is it about your, your character, about you as a person who, that allowed you to do that? Uh, that's very kind of you, uh, Chris. I think, by the way, that you're wonderfully well-spoken and very effective in everything you do. And thank you very much for all the work you have been doing for science and for uh, humanity. Um, what made me do this? Um, uh, first of all, uh, what I did, uh, it is, uh, I guess, you know, it is unusual uh, for this era but it should not be. I mean, that is part of the paradox. And I, and I note that your um, your podcast is called a paradox podcast or something. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So, so part of the paradox of the time you're living in is the fact that what I did, uh, speak up for the kids and ask for informed consent, is is actually not. It should not be controversial. Uh, but in this era, it became very unusual and very controversial. Um, and um, I, I have to say that 
um, by the grace of God, I did what I did um, because of the fact that they were going after the kids. Uh, the 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 system was going after the kids, and I I I have been and I was and I still am uh, a man of science. I don't like conspiracies. I don't like uh, you know weird ideas about why they're doing this or anything. But the data showed that they were actually targeting the kids in a way that was very unethical. And I had to speak out because if I didn't, I couldn't live with my conscience. I, I by the grace of God, I did what I did. And I, I, I was able to do it uh, by God's grace at a time when a, a voice was needed for the kids. You know, I must say that experience uh, has, has been very interesting for me. It's been uh, extremely life-changing. It's been uh, a wonderful experience in many ways with the type of people I've met and with the type of groups that I've been in contact with. But in terms of the accountability of the system, the, 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 the loss of academic freedom, the loss of our fundamental rights, uh, the loss of uh, medic medicines, ability to look at the data and come to reasonable conclusions, that's been devastating, really. Uh, that ability to uh, come together as physicians on behalf of the patient, putting the patient first, all that has taken a massive hit uh, during this COVID pandemic. So, um, you know, one of the ways we, 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 we try and make a difference is speaking out by giving those people a voice who have no voice, that is our kids, mm -hmm. um, and, and by meeting in places like Bedek, where, you know, we can meet with other people who also are on this mission mm -hmm. to bring back sanity. Mm -hmm. Oh, good. Good for you. I, I have so much respect for you for being willing to risk what you risk. And it sounds like, you know, from your, for your from your description of what happened to you, you had a career that was going along swimmingly. You were involved with lots of yeah. things. You've had huge changes in your life. And I guess the question I'd ask you is, is there anything that you regret? Is there any, would I think I know the answer, but would you do it all again? And is there something particular you miss about your, your life three years ago? Uh, I would do it all again. I would do it all again. Um, the fact is, as you say, I was a very busy surgeon. I had all these other roles. Uh, but but would I do this again on behalf of the kids? Absolutely, I would. Mm -hmm. Good for you. Very emphatic answer. Well, I, I I'm going to move you along to uh, ask you, you know, and w again without without stealing your own thunder, uh, what are you going to talk to us about in Bedeck? And maybe I'll ask you, like as a follow up to that, what, what's your hopes with the conference? Why why did you agree to come? I was happily surprised you did, but. Uh, why did you agree to come, and what are you going to tell us about? Oh, it's a, it's it'll be a great privilege to come and speak at the conference. Um, why why did I agree to come? Because I, I I believe in this mission. I believe in the work you're doing, the work you and Julie are doing. Uh, I, I I know you, and I know the the authentic place that you come from, and I and I believed that there was a conference like this is overdue in Canada. I mean, there have been some 
know, science-oriented conferences in various parts of the world, including in the U.S. and and in Italy and so on. COVID-related uh, uh, scientific conferences. There have been conferences on on the latest science on early treatment. Um, lots of academics have attended it, and and they've all been very good. Uh, but this was a more, uh, I, I, I really did feel the need for a more fundamental look at where we are going. Uh, free speech in medicine and science is, 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 the, is the kind of foundational concept that this conference is going to address. And I don't believe it's ever been done in this COVID pandemic or even before that. So uh, I, I, there's, there's a number of reasons and, and 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 I'm very happy to be attending. Going back to your your first question about a sort of a mini preview of what I'll be talking about, one of the reasons I took up medicine and surgery is because I felt a, a, a certain attraction to beauty and truth. When I was a teenager, I had been writing poetry since I was uh, probably thirteen or fourteen. And I uh, decided that um, I, I, I would try being a poet for a living. And of course, that didn't go down too well with my father, who was also a surgeon. Uh, and on reflection, I, uh, I, 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 I took up medicine and I decided to be a surgeon for a number of reasons. Uh, there was a certain romance, a certain uh, beauty, a certain truth that 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 scientific method held for me uh, the ability to deduce certain uh, universal truths including truths in medicine by a system of mathematics and deductive reasoning applied not just to physics and mathematics but also to such things as medicine and that together with the art and the craft of surgery uh, attracted me to this. And I realized that I could continue to be a poet and be a surgeon because being a surgeon also brought me into contact with uh, the human story in a way that maybe if I had just you know, um, stayed as a poet, I wouldn't have been able to do that. Uh, but during this COVID pandemic, what has happened is there's been an assault on science. Uh, I still don't completely realize why supposedly intelligent people have been ignoring data sets, ignoring the science, ignoring uh, what is obvious. Uh, I have some ideas and, um, you know, I, uh, as uh, you and I are people of science and we instinctively don't like conspiracy theories. And I'm not going to go to a conspiracy theory at all. Uh, I think a lot of this can be explained by greed, um, by greed and a certain comfort zone that the West has become used to, which uh, depends on the, the, the unbroken prosperity of the last 60 years is very new in the, in the human experience mm -hmm. and in the West. And I think that has, has, has sort of blinded people to some of these eternal values of freedom, free speech, free inquiry, uh, and uh, the, the, the ability to reason beautifully uh, with, with science. 
and uh, to me it was it's 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 a personal loss it's i i i it's it's like losing something that was very precious to me and i i believe that this death of science needs a resurrection mm-hmm. and i believe that uh, that that the bedak conference is one step in that resurrection of of true science the true way of reasoning and and the way in which we can help humanity again Mm-hmm. by coming back to the basics of science. Wonderfully said. And I really thank you because you've really grasped what Julie and I envisioned for our endeavor. We, As much as we want to talk about the scientific issues in that materialistic, I'd say maybe more superficial way, we also kind of want to go down more to the bottom. And going back to what I said, you know, the if if somebody can prove with beyond a reasonable doubt that masks reduce COVID transmission by 11%, that still doesn't answer the question of whether we should have mask mandates or whether every toddler should have to wear a mask on a plane or be removed. Like those are not science. They're not answerable scientifically. They're, they're, they're spiritual. They're, they're about our values and what we feel in our heart, what we think is important. And I think the science has been subverted to an agenda. And uh, we've not realized that as a society, you know, I think that there's that great saying that uh, societies go crazy on mass and we regain our sanity individually. And I, I, I saw that happen, you know, during COVID we, we, we lost our collective mind and now I see people one by one by one starting to get it and coming back to their senses. And I, I hope it continues. I, I don't know, maybe I'm being too optimistic. I hope I'm right. We, we have to be optimistic, Chris. I'm, I'm optimistic. Uh, I, I'm an optimist by nature. Uh, I, I think that the worst things in humanity can be turned into the best things in humanity, uh, just like uh, Jesus uh, turned the cross into the resurrection. So I, I'm a big uh, optimist about uh, the future. Um, I, I, we, we have no choice. We have to fight this tyranny. We we have to win. So um, uh, like you, I'm an optimist. Wonderful. Well, that's a great note to finish things on. So thank you very much for spending the time to speak with me tonight. I'm glad we finally managed to find a time that suited both of us when the hurricane didn't have my internet and power out. And uh, we're, we're back to having electric lights and all those modern conveniences here in uh, Nova Scotia. So <laughs> thank you very much. And I really look forward to meeting you in a couple of weeks. So I'll buy you a beer or even two or three. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> That would be terrific. Thanks, Chris. All the best. Thank you.